Thank you, folks. Deuteronomy chapter number one. If you'll join me there, Deuteronomy chapter number one will be there in just a few moments here after we look at a creature from nature and uh, kind of review just real quick. Pick up where I appreciate that song, appreciate what it conveys, the idea of a secret place. And uh, if you can envision it from Scripture, it's the reality that there are times that I get to go and be alone with God and share Him with no one else. He is all mine. That is my secret place. That is your secret place. There are things that I can tell him that you'll never hear. There are things that you can tell him that no one else will ever hear. You can bear your heart. You can share things. And in the midst of that, what does he do? He gives us great encouragement. He gives us grace. He gives us peace. He gives us rest. And it's a great conveyance of that song, a great truth from Scripture. And I'm thankful for that. I, I'm grateful that our God, uh, when Jesus Christ returned to heaven, that we can still have a secret place with him in prayer. And we can go to him and gather around his word and study us such. We've been looking at determination. That's our next building block, if you want to describe it as such, in our Christian character building and determination. We've already defined it this way, and we'll just quickly remind ourselves. Uh, determination is the purposing to accomplish God's goal in God's time regardless of the opposition. Literally, I want to do and I'm trying to accomplish God's will in my life, in every area of my life, no matter the opposition I face, no matter how difficult the task may be. No matter how overwhelming it may seem, as we'll look at tonight. And so we've expanded that definition. We're expanding upon it by asking that question, how do I maintain determination? Last week we saw from Stephen, a great example from Stephen, and then even in the, uh, in, the, in the world of nature, the Cecropia moth there, and a beautiful presentation of this truth too. It's maintained by realizing that my present struggles right now, today, what I'm going through, are essential for a future achievement. So you can name the struggle, you can name the challenge, the task, whatever the case may be in your life right now. And the fact is, God wants to use that in your life for great achievement in the future. And boy, that can then develop in your heart and mind some determination. I'm not going to let it defeat me. I'm not going to let it overthrow me. I'm not going to let it discourage me and distract me. I'm going to keep on going with determination. And as God, as we have that mindset, boy, then God can turn around and use us and bless us. Okay, our animal for tonight is not a huge animal. It's actually pretty, pretty small but it is enormous in what it achieves almost each and every year of its life. You say, how long is its life? It typically averages a 20-year lifespan. It's only about 15 and a half inches long, so it's pretty small by some uh, characteristics. It's kind of petite, and it's uh, delicate in its features. And uh, it's amazing that it can accomplish such an amazing task and so forth. What animal is it? Well, it's the, well, what is called the Arctic tern, a bird 15 and a half inches long. And maybe you've seen it before and uh, seen it flying, especially if you've been on the west coast of the United States of America, especially you may have seen it. Um, what do we know about this bird? Well, I think the most amazing thing is this. Listen to this. It covers a distance of 22,000 miles every year. In its migration, in its traveling, 22,000. You say, how long is that? Well, it's from here to Flint, the church lot parking lot, not excuse me, to Flint, <laughs> from the church parking lot to Orlando 18 times. Orlando, Florida, 18 times, down, back, and so forth, 18 trips like that from here to Orlando is what this bird flies just in one year. You say it must be tired, amen? It must be every year, right? And as we think about those trips, you say, uh, well, and also uh, it takes side trips for food and, and other purposes. The actual number it flies is probably much greater, undoubtedly. So for its flight, and, and what it does, it starts, uh, leaves its nesting ground, uh, in the Arctic Circle.
Pole, near the North Pole, and begins that journey to the opposite end of the Earth in the autumn season. So we're coming up on that. As it does so, it chooses one of two routes. And as we alluded to a moment ago, it either flies down the western coast of Alaska and Canada, United States, Central America, South America, down to the South Pole there, or... It will choose the alternate route of going up the western coast or down the western coast of Europe and of Africa. Say, why those routes? Because those are the routes that include the most food-bearing currents in the seas and the water and things, so it can eat along the way. It's like fast food for a bird, amen? And uh, it's like McDonald's, all right? The the fast-moving currents, it flies along, it's able to grab food on its way down there and so forth. By the time the turn uh, reaches Antarctica, uh, or Antarctica, excuse me, snow has begun to melt with the approach of spring. And as you think about it, then just a few short months later, he turns around and goes the long journey home. When it finally arrives back in its breeding grounds in the North Pole, it is literally flown around the world, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. It takes determination, doesn't it? If every year for this bird bird to continue to fly. So how does it remain determined? How in the world does it make such a flight? A flight of 22,000 miles encompassing the earth. How does it do that and not get discouraged? Such an enormous migration. Well, it helps us with our definition or our explanation of determination tonight. We put it this way. uh, Determination is maintained by breaking down a seemingly impossible task by concentrating on achievable goals. So if you have an outline from last week, there's your blanks. It's maintained, determination is maintained by breaking down what seems to be an impossible task by concentrating on achievable goals. Hey, you ever, young people, you ever walk into your room and mom has told you to clean you and say, oh my goodness, how's this going to happen? I won't get out of here till Thanksgiving. Till Christmas. It's not going to get clean. This ain't going to happen. Or, or men, your garage, whatever. Anyway, you know, something like that. And you have a, a task or responsibility to clean up, to do something. And you're looking at it. Boy, it's overwhelming uh, in the big picture. We'll talk more about that here in a little, a little while. So how does it do it? Well, the Arctic turn, it, it, it flies almost every day 150 miles. Okay, so it covers about 150 miles, and uh, it does that then through 150 miles. It does it in about 20 weeks or so, is, uh, on average is what it does. Obviously, some days are more and so forth, but it, it does it in about around the world, both trips in the sense of 20 days. It's pretty amazing. What's also neat about this Arctic turn is that uh, it, it enjoys more sunshine than many other creatures. The reason for that is, literally, it spends almost eight months of the year, uh, it lives in continual daylight. Now, that's a, I'm telling you more, when you retire, that's the way to go, amen? Eight years of the, eight months of the year in sunshine, and why is that? You say, how does that happen? Well, it arrives at each of the pole in time to enjoy the long summer days of almost 24 hours of daylight. At each pole, if you know much about it, the reality is at certain times that happens, at other times it's all dark, right? And so it arrives at the certain times where it enjoys those eight months of continual daylight. That's pretty cool too. Um, and uh, why, why is that important? Well, it helps the bird because that enlarges their hunting time. They're able to go out and eat more in their small body. They expend a lot of energy flying like that. And so they're able to eat more and hunt more than they eat more accordingly. They're also a great help to fishermen. The fishermen will watch them when they're out in the ocean because 
because they give a good idea of where the schools of fish are. Uh, they'll locate them, birds are having a bird's eye view, no pun intended. Okay, pun intended. Um, they're able to see into the ocean and find out and see where the schools of fish are, and they notice that and so forth. And so the fishermen watch them, and then they can go and get a good catch of fish uh, from those schools and things. One of the enemies of the tern, the Arctic tern, is the herring gull. And that gull cr- creates all kind of havoc. It likes to eat the eggs of the tern and the young chicks. And the tern yet is a spirited fighter and often has great success in just driving them off and defending its nest and those eggs. So one of the last unique traits I want to highlight uh, about them is um, the tern, they, both parents, uh, the mom and the dad tern, if we might describe them as such, uh, they're, they're great, dedicated, committed parents. In fact, they both have a, a huge hand in the eggs and incubating the eggs and so forth, very dedicated and participating in the raising of the young. Each parent, in fact, takes time, uh, take time sitting on the nest and assume the responsibility with great enthusiasm. So much enthusiasm that if you'll watch them, and if you've ever seen video of it, what's kind of funny is the parent turns will actually bump each other off the nest. It's like a competition to who, see, who sits on the nest and incubate. They're so eager, they're so excited and enthusiastic about that task of raising those eggs and incubating them and so forth. And I don't know, that, that sounds pretty awesome. I'd love it the next time I'm changing a diaper, Erica just comes and bumps me out of the way and takes over. I think that'd be great. I don't you know, but that's probably not going to happen since she already changes most of the diapers. Anyway, so it's an amazing little bird and some unique traits and things about it. And I, 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 obviously, the, the, the most amazing thing is that here you have this small bird, 15 and a half inches long, not very big, pretty delicate, flies 22,000 miles. Pretty amazing to do that. And in order to do that, it takes determination. And it also takes uh, that bird understanding, today I've got to fly this much. Today I've got to do this much. And this small task, breaking down a seemingly overwhelming task into small, achievable goals. Now listen to me. This is very practical tonight, very simple. But the reality is this. I don't know what kind of task you're facing this week. The fact is this. Some of them might be overwhelming. Some of them you may be thinking about saying, I can't do that, I can't handle that. And maybe a child in school and maybe an adult at work, it may be someone who's retired has to fill out 20 copies of paperwork just to get one thing done. I don't know what your task is, but the fact is sometimes it can be overwhelming. It can be seemingly impossible. And here is simple biblical advice for you and I to say, wait a second, I can break it down, maintain my determination by breaking it down into small goals, achievable goals, allowing myself to take care of today. Dealing with the things that I have in front of me today. Okay? Hey, young people, let me ask you a question. Okay? If I started to sing a song for you, I know we'd all be scared, but if I started singing it and it went something like this, who would I be talking about? Okay? Ten were bad and two were good. What would I be talking about? Go ahead and shout it out. What would you be talking about? Okay? Thank you, children. Pastor Aaron. And <laughs> for my age. Anyway, so, uh, okay, so good. 12 spies. All right, Pastor Aaron is so helpful to you young people. All right, the spies who went into Canaan, right? Ten were bad and two were good. Great song. If you never sung it, we're not going to, okay? But it's a great song, all right? So we're talking about the 12 spies. Now listen, why were they described that way? Ten were bad. Why were they bad? Well, they lacked faith. They lacked faith, and then because they lacked faith, they lacked a determination to go and take the land that God said, hey, I've prepared it for you. I've delivered it into your hands. Now listen to me. There's not a task that God calls you to. He will not equip you and help you to accomplish. So don't look at a task and say, this is too overwhelming. This is too big. Going to college, doing this, that's too big. I can't handle that. Listen, if God wants you to do it, he'll help you do it. 
But it takes a determination. It takes faith in God. And he's called me. He's going to give me the grace to accomplish it. And I need to maintain on my side the determination to follow through with the will of God. To do what God has called me to do. We have the two, though, uh, that were the exact opposite, right? And uh, they were, despite the opposition, despite what it looked like, the overwhelming, the seemingly impossible uh, perspective of taking the land, they were determined to see the task accomplished because they trust in the Lord. So let me ask you this. Why did the ten and eventually the rest of the people that they convinced, why did they lack faith? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses, an eyewitness, a participant, tells us exactly why those spies and, and such, uh, the people that followed them or were convinced by them, why they lacked that faith. Look with me, Deuteronomy chapter 1, jump down to verse 20, we'll read down to verse 32. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, and uh, we're going to read down chapter uh, verse 20 down through verse 32. And I said unto you, this is Moses speaking, he's remembering, recalling these things. And I said unto you, ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. Verse 22. And he came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by the way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. Okay? And the same pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain and came into the valley of Eschol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land uh, in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and, and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, And because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. Verse 28, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Verse 30, The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, and all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Okay, so what do we find described here going from the spies to the people and so forth? Mo Moses recalling them, reminding them, here was your failure. Uh, well, simply, if we could boil it down, uh, the task appeared too great for them. The task in their minds was too great. It was overwhelming. It sounded impossible. Verse 28 reveals their heart and attitude, doesn't it? Oh, man, the people of the land, they're too big. They are too great. And the Anakims, the giants are there. How in the world are we going to handle that? And did you catch what else they said in verse 28? I love this statement, okay, because they must be Baptists. You know what they said? The walls are as tall as up to heaven. That's a Baptistic exaggeration, okay, because even archaeology proves their walls were not that tall. Okay, what in the world is going on here? Because they're just, oh man, this I can't do this. This is impossible. There's, I, I sh why should I even try? You ever hear your child say that? Adults, you ever say that? Facing down a task, you're coming eye to eye with something, a responsibility, a task that you have to do. And a, I, I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to start. This is impossible. I can never do this. And all of a sudden, we lost all determination. 
especially when it comes to things that God has called us to do, his will. My friend, if it's God's will, then it needs doing. If it's God's will, it needs doing. And you need to have a determination that I'm going to do God's will. In my life, no matter the opposition, no matter how overwhelming or seemingly impossible this seems in my life, I can do it because I know God's going to do it in me and through me. What did he say? God said he's going before you. He's going to fight your battles. He's going to take. That's not where their focus was. Their focus was on this. Too great. We can't handle this. Uh, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, <laughs> forgive me, but I like this, okay? Numbers chapter 13. You remember the spies? They come back and like, listen, you won't believe the people there. And, and they have searched out the entire land, and they're listing the people. I call them the ites, right? They list all the ites. Here they are, the, Am- the Amalekites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites. And they're saying, listen, all these ites fill the land. And what do the people say in response? They say, yikes. Yeah, I came up with that. I know that's hard to believe, but all these ites, Amorites, Hittites, I mean, that, that, listen, this is just unbelievable. All these people, how are we going to have, yikes, we can't handle this. And boy, they convinced. Did you say, see what they wrote in verse, or what was recorded in verse 28? Boy, they, they have discouraged our heart. Now listen to me carefully, okay, in all seriousness. You know what I have noticed about people and even Christians is that when we get discouraged in the heart, we stop doing. Did you catch it? When we get discouraged, and you can add depression, and you can add whatever to that, but I'll tell you, the Bible's clear here. When we get discouraged, we often stop doing. And my friend, if it's God's will, it's worth the doing. It ought to be done. And sometimes you have to fight through discouragement. Sometimes you have to overcome your own heart that says, I can't do it. And you need to tell your heart, with Christ, I can do all things. My friend, that's sometimes the struggle that goes on in our hearts and our lives at different times. And I dare say that through this pandemic, however you want to describe it, there have been some that have been so discouraged that they've stopped doing. Don't let that happen. Look to your God, trust in his strength, and keep on keeping on. If he says he will provide it, he will do it, he's called you to do it, then his will is worth doing. They failed at it. They allowed these, this account, these ten spies, to discourage them. And, ah, oh, man, we can do the same thing about our task. We can dwell on the impossibility of what needs to be done, the enormity of the task. Don't get caught up in that. I mean, they're looking at it. We can't face that. We can't handle all those peoples. Uh, what, if I were to surmise or summarize, excuse me, what the 10 spies said, they basically said this task is impossible. There's no way we can do it at all. It's impossible. It's, it, it, it isn't happening. There's no way we can take that whole land. Do you realize how many cities, how many people, how many giants there are? The, the walls in the city are enormous. We just can't do it. Uh, the literal words, Deuteronomy, or Numbers 13, 31, say, but the men that went up with him, this is Caleb just got done saying, let's go do it. And these men said, no, no, we can't do it. We'd be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You talk about opposition and seemingly overwhelming and unattainable task, this was it, okay? So they're defeated. They get discouraged. Get, they get defeated. Often discouragement leads to defeat, by the way. Don't miss that. And so what happens? Well, we know while the story plays out. Even our young people could tell us how this story plays out. 
They now uh, don't follow God. God has to send them back in the wilderness. They're there for 40, 40 years. That generation passes away, except for those two spies, and Moses and, and uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua, the two good spies, we may put it that way. And uh, th- they wander around in the wilderness. Well, as that has transpired, one of those spies has been taking notes during this time. He's been standing back, and he was there when Moses gave the instructions to all the spies, and he, he noted what happened. He had come back with a good report, and uh, yet he had picked, on some, uh, picked up on something that is crucial and key that contributed to their failure. And he hung on to that for the next 40 years. And the day came when this guy came out of the shadows, and now he's leading Israel. He's going to be the guy that takes him into the land. There is Joshua assuming the, lead, uh, the mantle of leadership. And Moses alludes to it in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Look at verse 38. And so he's bringing it to a close, and he's talking about what's going to happen. He says, listen, Israel, here's what Joshua's going to do. Verse 38, Deuteronomy chapter 1. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, the end to that he's going is the promised land, uh, he shall go in thither, encourage him. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? They were discouraged in their hearts. Now, he's telling them to encourage Joshua, uh, this new generation. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And certainly that's the land. Think about it. Now, let me ask you this. So, so Joshua comes. He comes on the doorstep of the land of Canaan. New generation. Now, don't miss this. New generation. And they're standing there. They're ready to go in. Joshua's ready to lead them in, to take the land as their inheritance, as God has promised. And uh, they, don't know no, they don't know nothing. That's terrible grammar. Forgive me. They don't know anything. <laughs> they don't know anything about the new land, the promised land. All right? They don't have a clue. And, and yet, what they do know is what? What their, their parents said. Now, let me ask you this. What would be the residual effect, okay, the trickle-down effect of their faith and determination? In other words, how would that be affected? Well, well could you imagine the stories their, their parents would have said? Their children grow up, and they're like, hey, Mom, Dad, why aren't we, Grandma, Grandpa, why aren't we in the promised land? I thought you guys traveled there, and why? Well, you, son, those giants were huge. Those spies described them for us, and those walls and those cities. So they're getting all this negative, residual influence. So what was their faith and determination like? Well, iffy, maybe, right? Because I don't know about you, I, there's been times that, boy, if my dad can't do it, ain't no way I'm going to be able to do it. Could you imagine what they were thinking? Hey, if our parents couldn't do it, how in the world are we going to do this? So now they're back to square one, new generation, and are they going to have determination? Are they going to trust the word of God and have faith in going forward? And boy, Moses is doing his best to encourage them to follow Joshua. And yet in this, he comes to a decision. Now let me, so they come to the land. It's been 40 years, so things change a lot, amen? Things change a lot in eight months, we know that. And uh, so reality is things change a lot in 40 years. So what's Joshua going to do? Well, Joshua comes along and Joshua decides, does he send 12 spies in like what happened before? No, what's interesting, we see it here, Joshua chapter 2 and, and uh, verse number uh, 3, because Joshua seems to have learned something from the previous failure. Joshua chapter 2 verse 3 says this, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land even Jericho. Let me draw your attention to two things that I think are tremendous in what Joshua learned. Notice, first of all, how many does he send? He sends two. How many came back from the last spy excursion with a good report? Two. 
Now, it may be a matter of coincidence. I'm not going to argue that point with you, but I do think this. I think Joshua specifically picked men who had a determination to trust God. And he said, listen, it too can come back in agreement. Two can come back and convince and encourage the people. You know what? Yeah, that wall of Jericho is one of the biggest we've seen. But God's promise will take it and we will. So I believe he picked out the man. I think he handpicked them and, and because of their determination. Then secondly, and here's the key. Here's where it encourages and teaches what we're learning tonight. What did he say to go spy out? The land even Jericho, literally, go spy out the land, just Jericho. Just go look at Jericho. Go back, do a reconnaissance on Jericho. We don't need a report on every city in the land. We don't need to know about every people and group that lives in the land. We don't need to know their height. We don't need to know their weight. We don't need to know how tall those walls are and how they expansive. We don't need the measurements of them. What we simply need is just tell us Here's the key. Just tell us about that first step of conquering the land, the task at hand, Jericho. There is a great lesson to be learned here. There's a great truth that maybe you've seen before, maybe you haven't. The reality is Joshua learned something. He said, if we think about defeating this whole promised land, if we think about taking down and going in and taking down every people, boy, that seems impossible. But if we'll just take the next step that God has for us and focus on that, we can do it. With God's help and God guiding us and directing us, we can lean on that. Uh, He was gathering the necessary information for the next step. That's all. And what happens? What is the consequence of that? Turn with me to Joshua chapter 11. Okay, Appropriately named, hit the book after him. So let's look there. Joshua chapter 11. Let's read and and watch the recap of this. Okay, Here's the 11 o'clock news giving us the recap of what happened. All right, Joshua chapter 11, look at verse 15 and following. We'll read down through verse 23 uh, and see what the outcome was. Verse 11, okay, or excuse me, uh, chapter 11, verse 15. As the Lord commanded Moses' a servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Man, what a great statement, right? There was some determination. I'm going to get it done. Verse 16. So Joshua took all the land, the hills, and the south country, and all the land of Goshen, and the valley, and the plain, and the mountains of Israel, and the valley of the same, even from Mount Halak, or from the Mount Halak, that goeth up to Seir, even until Belgad, in the valley of, uh, valley of Lebanon, unto Mount Hermon. And all their kings he took, and smote them, and slew them. Verse 18, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace. Peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of the Gibeon, all other they took in battle. Verse 20, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy. Who might destroy them? God. God might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron and from Debir and from Anab and from the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by the tribes. And the land rested from war. Man, what an amazing account. This is the whole kit and caboodle. This is it. The big task, the big thing was accomplished. Done. How did he do it? Now don't miss it. We know how he did it, right? 
He took it one step at a time. He, he said, listen, if we get focused on this whole promised land, taking the land of Canaan in one big fatal swim, that's, that's impossible. But if we'll just take it one task at a time. You know what verse 18 describes the overall task taking? A long time. Many years. And boy, that could get discouraging in that, isn't it? But if you remain determined and you continue to have faith in God that he's going to help you get it done. So how do they do it? It was battle after battle, city after city, step after step, one at a time, not looking at the big picture and getting overwhelmed, just remaining determined to do what God has said to do. And how does the big task, the big picture get accomplished? It gets accomplished by focusing on only the next battle, the next step. And Joshua chapter 11 says that they were able to do it. It's pretty amazing you think about it and how they came to this point where their parents, the generation before, had failed. So how do we apply it to our lives? The task that you and I have. Listen carefully. I'll just give you three things and we'll be done. Notice that number one, uh, remember that every long journey starts with just one step. Remember that every long journey just steps, starts with one step. Every task is completed through taking that first step, that first action. Young people, could I encourage you? No room ever got cleaned without the very first item being picked up. Never got cleaned. No math paper hmm, was ever accomplished or never completed without the first problem being solved. You got to start somewhere. And it starts with the first step. Don't look at the whole thing and go, I can't do this. No, one step at a time. Just, just take care of it and do it. Biblically or spiritually, no showing of love to someone else was ever accomplished without the first action or word of kindness. I, 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 don't step back, I can't show love, I can never do that. Yes, you can. Just start with one word of kindness. Just start with one action of kindness or one action of love. You can do it. Just take it one step at a time. Sometimes people come and say, I can never read through the Bible. Do you realize that there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible? If you were to read one chapter per day, it would take you just a tad over three years to read through the Bible. One chapter a day, just simply that. One chapter a day. Let's say by the age of seven that you have come to learn to read pretty well. Can I tell you, by the time that you are 18, you could have read through the Bible at least three times pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't know too many 18-year-olds that could say that I've read through the Bible. And boy, if you challenge them when they're 16, when they're 10, you, you say, oh, that's impossible. May I tell you, age seven, if you just you read at a normal pace, the reality is you read one chapter a day, you could have read through the Bible three times by the age of 18. No, don't tell me. It's, no, don't look at it and say, oh, I, I could never do that. You could. You could. Because every long journey starts with one step. And for something like that, you know what it starts with? Today, I read my chapter in my Bible. I gleam as much from it. I meditate on it. And I consider it. And then it starts, and then it continues with the next step tomorrow. I'll read another chapter of God's Word. I'll derive what I can from it. Allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate me with the truth of it. So start with the first step. I don't know what your task is, but each of us have a task to apply it to. Some of you, you might be saying, well, I, I need to do this, and I need to plan for this, and i got to get this task done. Hey, just break it down. Be, remind yourself that every long journey starts with just one step. Break it down into, how, what does our definition say? Achievable goals. Number two, don't lose the immediate picture in the big picture. Don't lose the immediate picture in the big picture. In other words, don't lose sight and focus of what I can do and need to do today by looking at what the whole thing that needs to be done. 
someday. You know what? I've noticed this with some teenagers, some children before. <laughs> they have been given a task, and, uh, and a teacher leaves the room, or a parent leaves, and they come back in, and, and they find them just sitting there staring at it. And, and the question's been asked, well, why haven't you gotten started? I, I just can't do it. It's too, it's too much. Well, the reality is just get started with one thing. Don't look at the whole paper. Just look at the one problem you need to get started on. In other words, don't, don't get lost in the big picture. Look at the immediate picture. What, what is today's task? You see, the big picture is good for knowing the end goal, for seeing where we are going and what we're doing. But it is the immediate picture that demands the most of our attention and energies. Sometimes people get carried away. Young people get carried away with, well, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I don't know what occupation. You know what? I understand that, and it's not bad to be thinking about that, but could you just give your energies and attention to what God wants you to do today? Give your attention to that. What, how does God want you to be right now, today, and then the next day, and so forth? And let's work on that, and God will take care of the rest of it. And before you know it, you'll have your Joshua 11 moment. When you look back, it's like, wow, how did I get here? It wasn't looking at the big picture. You know what it was? Every day looking at the immediate picture of what I need to do. Don't get lost in it, friend. That's where they did. Oh, the Anakins and the Amorites, the Hittites and this. Oh, we can't handle that. Man, they got lost in that big picture. Don't be like the Israelites. You might have made it a goal to, to, to witness uh, to your entire neighborhood for Christ. That'd be fantastic. But it doesn't start with you thinking about the whole neighborhood. It starts with one neighbor at a time. Just taking the time to talk to them, share a track, invite them to church, just, just to share your testimony. That, that's how it starts. So don't lose the immediate picture and the big picture. Number three, let's add to it and we'll be done. Just simply this, don't forget. <laughs> um, ah, that's not it. I left that one on. You know what? That's disappointing. I'm sorry, I didn't change that one or it didn't save. Okay, here it is. You gotta listen, Okay. Number three, remember <laughs> that a sardine and whale are eaten the same way, one bite at a time. Remember that a whale and a sardine are eaten the exact same way, one bite at a time. Okay, don't miss the point. Don't get caught up in the reality. See, Joshua came to understand the truth. He learned to determine what his next bite was going to be. What was their next bite, Jericho? Well, what about AI? What about all these kings that are going to get together and make a, uh, make a pact? And they're going to come and don't worry about that. Don't be concerned about that. Just worry about the next bite. And your next bite is Jericho. See, in our task, if we try to swallow it as a whole, you get indigestion. <laughs> you get discouraged. Things don't go well, and you get overwhelmed. And so determine instead uh, what your next step or bite needs to be and determine to do it. Uh, no matter what the size of the task, you can break down any task. It may be in your eyes like a sardine, or it may be a well, but you can break it down by just saying, you know what? It all is going to be accomplished the same way, one bite at a time, one step at a time. So determine that, and don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. I've heard some people, we, 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 Sunday nights, you know, we're memorizing Bible. Oh, Pastor Henry, I just can't memorize. I get that. Believe me, as I get older, I forget more than I've ever memorized, okay? More than I ever learned. I get that. It's hard. But, but just take it in small bites. You have a hard, hey, listen, it's not a bad thing to start memorizing a verse word by word. 
phrase by phrase. Wherever you can start, take that next bite and work at it. Hey, young people, listen to me. There may have been something this past week that you told your teacher, I can't do that. You told your mom or dad, well, I, I could never do that. I'm, I'm not, I, I can't handle that. I can't do that. Could I encourage you just to take it one step, one bite at a time? Focus on that. Get your mind attentive to, okay, this I can do. I'm going to make this next achievable goal. Make that my focus. Give it my attention because you know what? It doesn't matter what the size of the task. I still can do it one step at a time, one bite at a time. That's what determination does. And so too often I'll hear children or even adults simply conclude that they can't do a task simply because it's impossible or too overwhelming. My challenge to you tonight biblically is this. Would you employ some determination? Would you employ some determination? Okay. The idea is that you and I, uh, um, let me go back to the one because obviously it did not save everything that I had. Um, When we think about determination in the, here it is. Okay. Uh, maintaining it. What is determination? Well, accomplishing God's will. Doing that according to what he would have for me. But secondly, break down that seemingly impossible task by concentrating on achievable goals. Would you do that? Would you take your task this week and say, okay, God, this is what I have ahead of me. This is what I've got to get done. And it may be as simply for a young person, a test or a project. Again, I know some are collecting insects. I have to catch how many, start with the first one, then work on the next one. You have a task at work, you have, hey, you want to see one of your loved ones get saved, and I don't know where to start. Man, get started, just start with praying for them. Start then with uh, assuming and, and taking advantage of every opportunity God gives you just to drop a little bit of God's word to share with them. Just take it step by step. Have a determination that I'm going to take this impossible, seemingly impossible task and I'm going to break it down to achievable goals. And when I do that, boy, God's going to bless us like he did the Israelites there in the uh, the promised land, the land of Canaan. May you and I bring him glory in doing so. Father, we thank you for your word. I'm grateful for this truth from the Old Testament, how it challenges each one of us. And Lord, this determination, may we have it this week. I don't know all the tasks that are represented here among the the church family, those who have gathered tonight. And Lord, but you do. And you know which ones we're looking at we're staring at and we we have deemed them impossible we have deemed them to be i can't do this i'm incapable lord i pray that we'd be challenged tonight uh, to apply this determination to have faith in what you've called us to do and then to apply this determination lord of of taking a seemingly impossible task and breaking it down into achievable goals Lord, I don't know how you're going to work in each person's life, but I do know this, your word is true and powerful. And the counsel that it gives is applicable to every area of our life. So may we take advantage of it tonight. I pray some young people, maybe who walked in tonight, they're discouraged over a task that lies ahead. Lord, I pray tonight because of your word, they will have been encouraged. They have been given a little light shed on their path going forward. Lord, maybe there's an adult here and facing a task that that just seems so overwhelming. They don't even know where to start and so forth. Father, I just pray that you would bless them tonight. May they be encouraged tonight and may you give them a little direction and guidance and may they by faith have a determination to follow the path that you lay out in front of them. Thank you for the practicality of your word. Thank you for how it touches us where we live. May we now take it, apply it, and use it and may we bring you glory for it. 
and through it. Lord, we look forward to being back in your house on Wednesday. We pray that you bless us in between. Be with each person that's here. May we walk with you this week. May our lives be consistently centered on Christ. May all that we do be for him, that we may win him and be found in him. We love you so very much. Father, continue to work in our lives. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. And if